Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the CAF, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am very excited today as we have a special episode of admissions representatives from the Claremont Colleges. This is a group of colleges nestled in a cluster of schools in Claremont, California, about 30 miles east of LA, again, known as the Claremont Colleges. From Scripps, we have Leanne Dominguez, who's the Associate Director of Admission. From Pomona, we have Katrina Bruno, who's the Associate Dean of Admission. From Claremont McKenna, we have Rochelle Ehrman, who's the Senior Assistant Dean of Admission. From Harvey Mudd, we have Peter Osgood, who's the Director of Admission. And from Pitzer, we have Dave Gervin, who's the Senior Associate Director of Admission. I welcome all of you, and I want to just explain to the listeners what the format will be. I will read a question, and two of the reps will answer those questions. And then at the end, everyone will chime in and answer the last question. So let's get right to it. The first question is, can you provide an overview of the Claremont College's consortium and the unique advantages it offers its students. We're going to start with Katrina. Katrina, welcome and go ahead. Thank you, John. So the Claremont Colleges are the only intentionally designed consortium in the United States, and it's the home of five undergraduate colleges known as the five C's. Those include Pomona College, Scripps College, Claremont McKenna College, Harvey Mudd College, and Pitzer College. We're also associated with two graduate schools, uh, Claremont Graduate University and Kecht Graduate Institute. The five C's each have their own diverse missions, character, and culture, and we all coexist within a one-mile radius in the city of Claremont, California, which is in L.A. County. We are also affectionately known by the Monkier, the city of trees and PhDs, thanks to being in the proximity of all seven of our colleges and over 40,000 trees. Thank you so much for that overview. And Leanne from Scripps, welcome, and same question for you. I think Katrina covered it beautifully. Um, What I would add (laughs) is that um, 
the the part that that Katrina mentioned being an intentionally designed consortium is is key to understand both the academic and community um, at the Claremont Colleges. It means that academically we are collaborating in terms of class offerings, majors. We share majors across the consortium, and while our policies may be a little bit different under under this category, um, for the most part, our students at the Claremont Colleges are able to benefit from over six thousand courses that are offered in the consortium um, and are able to choose um, classes, not just from their home campus, but also um, from availability at the other schools. And it's all done through the same academic portal. We all have the same academic schedules. We all align with the same uh, finals weeks, uh, orientation weeks. Um, so in a lot of ways, we operate like a, as one unit um, academically, but we all are, like Katrina said, different in, in, in our mission, in the way that we teach and, and what we teach. Um, and then in terms of community and, and social life, within the Claremont Colleges. All of our campuses are all under 2,000 students. Together, uh, we, we are almost as big as the mid-sized university, and our students are able to really take advantage of that as they're uh, going from one campus to another uh, for academic reasons. They're also doing it socially. They're meeting friends in the classes that they're taking at, at the, all the other schools. They're in, in membership of clubs that are shared broadly across the consortium. Uh, we share about 300 clubs across our campuses. We share seven dining halls uh, or, or, or a total of 17 dineries that our students can choose from across the five schools. Um, we share some traditions. Um, we share some evening orientation activities at the beginning of the academic year um, and um, are aligned in that way socially and academically. But again, we are very different in the ways that we teach, in our reasons for existing, um, in the way that our curriculums and communities are all um, operating on, on an individual basis. Well, we appreciate the overview, Katrina and Leanne. Thank you so much. I also want to welcome Rochelle and Peter, who will answer the next question, which is, the consortium provides a diverse and vibrant community for its students. And I have to mention that I looked up each of the college's retention rates, and you are all well into the 90% range, which is a great indication that your students are more than happy with their experience at your schools. So can you discuss the social and cultural experience that students can expect as part of the consortium and how do the colleges within the consortium foster a sense of community and collaboration among students that makes them want to return year after year being so happy as part of your Claremont family? So welcome again, Rochelle. Let's start with you, please. Yeah, thank you so much, John. Um, I think that the Five C's provides a really unique social experience for students. So as Leanne and Katrina were talking about, we're five institutions, but we share a lot of things among the five schools through the consortium. Um, and we're all residential. And being a residential college is a really important part of forming that community. So all of the students live on the campus of the school that they're enrolled in, it's you know somewhere between 95 to 98% of students live on campus, uh, depending on the school. And that creates a real sense of community within your individual school, but then through our shared resources, our clubs and organizations, um, students really are able to connect across the five C's with students at the other schools. We have about 250 shared clubs and organizations um, across the five C's, and that you know doesn't even include all of our um, athletics. So our students are really able to connect and find a sense of community both within that really small individual school and across the five C's and it draws them back year after year. Well, we appreciate that. And Peter, welcome again. And same question for you, sir. Yeah, I would agree that the residential nature of the colleges is a, plays a central role. 
I like to think of the Claremont Colleges as a family of schools. And so a student, a prospective student might align better with a particular school than another and feel that that is more their home base, although they can easily cross a street or uh, sometimes not even a little alleyway and get from one college to the other. Um, I think it's important for people to know that uh, there's each college wants to have a lot of activity for their own students and so that the main experience the student will have will be with their home school. And so there's a lot of, uh, of activities that one school will offer that students from the other colleges could easily join. Uh, a couple of the uh, social experiences uh, could be things like community service activities, going on hikes. It could be uh, really strong arts and music programs. You would also find one of the strangest things in this country is in the way we work athletics. So there are not five athletic teams and not one athletic team. There are two rival teams <laughs> literally across the street from each other. Not kidding you. The away football team will dress at home and go a block <laughs> and a half and play the away game, which is the darndest thing. It's a kind of a home game as an away game. Very, very odd. So, um, but the sense is that the students connect with their home school first and then have access to the broader consortium, which really uh, deepens and diversifies their experience. Well, thank you so much, Rochelle and Peter, for that overview. And for the next question, we're going to ask David and Katrina to reply, which is, what are the common application requirements for the colleges within the consortium? And are there any specific materials or documents that students should be aware of when applying to your schools? David, welcome again. We're going to start with you. Awesome. Thanks, John. Uh, so when it comes to the Claremont Colleges, we often get asked, is it one application or is it five separate applications? It's always important to consider that when looking at schools, each application may be different. So for <laughs> us, it is five separate admission policies and processes, though we do have shared policies across what the process might look like. Uh, for example, we're all on the common application. We all review holistically looking at students in the context of their school. Each of the five schools do have supplemental prompts, so that's particularly important when considering the differences across the five Claremont colleges. Uh, all of us meet 100% of demonstrated need, and all five of us have both early and regular decision options when it comes to the application process. But there are some differences, so I'll leave that open for Kat to talk about some of the differences across the five colleges in the application process. Well, thank you so much, David and Katrina. If you could answer as well, we would appreciate it. Thanks, John. In general, we are looking at some of the same pieces of your application. Um, through your transcripts, we're looking for that aptitude. Um, through your activities list, we're looking at your extracurricular achievements, whether those are more traditional, like being involved in clubs like orchestra or sports, or maybe some more non-traditional activities like part-time work or volunteering or home responsibilities. Um, additionally, some of our schools have those optional pieces like Dave alluded to. Maybe they are interviews, supplemental materials like art portfolios. Out of this, some of our schools may have some other considerations like demonstrated interest. Fantastic. Thank you both, Dave and Katrina, for that overview. The next question is going to be for Leanne and Rochelle. The common application asks the same questions regardless of which school you are applying to. Many schools, however, add supplemental questions to gain more insight into the student. How many supplemental questions do you ask for and what are you trying to learn from potential students' responses in those supplementals? So let's start this question with Leanne first. Thanks, John. Uh, so yes, the, the, the Common App personal essay is, is one that 
is an essay that goes to everyone and every college that a student is applying for. And it's best not to include any school specific information, any school names in that response, because that is going to be read by every single uh, <laughs> college that 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 uh, application is, is, is sent to. Um, whereas the, the the member screen questions or the supplemental questions, as they're more commonly known, um, are going to be school specific. And most of us in the Claremont Colleges ask one to two questions on our individual member screens. We all ask a version of why X college um, and then a, another another option. Um, and, and really what we're looking for is a connection to our curriculums, a connection to our community. Um, it, can, it can come from, uh, it can be so many different things. Is it a, a visit to campus that, that made you feel a certain way? Is it a, uh, it, it could have been a, a virtual information session that was attended that allowed you to learn more about the school and potentially meet somebody at that school that you really admired? Or was it meeting an alum at a college fair? It, it could be all of, a, a bunch of different things that connected you to the campus. We want to know why. What, what about that experience? What about that in, in interaction uh, made you think that that place could be for you? Um, and as admission readers, we are looking for, I think of it as like a detective. We're looking for components of a case that we're trying to solve, or in this case, um, <laughs> prove, which is why does this person belong in our community? Um, and when I'm at the point of reading the supplemental questions, I've already read the personal essay. I've already learned about the students' extracurricular activities and a little bit about their biographical information. So I'm at the point where I'm trying to figure out why here, why this place? Um, and it, it is to be able to connect to the student and understand what that connection is to our institution. Thank you so much, Leanne and Rochelle. Same question. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what Leanne said holds true. Um, I, I think that specificity of like why us, not just why the consortium. I think we all read a lot of essays that are, you know, oh, I really love this consortium and all the shared resources and all of those things. And we do want to genuinely know like why you want to come to our school in the consortium rather than just the consortium because you can't enroll in the consortium. You have to enroll in a specific college and we really want to, you know, see that you have been thoughtful about it and chosen a school that you really identify with. So I think that's a big one. And then at CMC, we have a second one. Um, it's going to be new this year, and it's going to focus on um, the Open Academy, which is our um, sort of umbrella term for a lot of our like free speech and discourse spaces and uh, programming on campus. And ask students to really think about you know their speech and uh, ideas and diversity of thought and all of those things. Um, so we're really excited to have that as well. So we like to have sort of that YS essay and then a second essay that delves into a student's thoughts in a different way and explores ideas that really connect them to the CMC academic ways. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. And he's also a board certified dermatologist who received a perfect score on his SAT. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring programs, 
you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code college talk, one word, just college talk, and that'll give you 30% off all prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one tutoring packages. Make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made using our coupon code, which is College Talk, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, thank you so much, Leanne and Rochelle. Those are great answers. And I like the advice not just to write in that supplemental about why the consortium, but specifically to the school within the consortium that they're applying to, demonstrating their understanding perhaps of that school, its programs, how they see themselves on your campus, and perhaps how they're going to contribute to your awesome communities out there. So again, we appreciate that. The transcript is, of course, the most important part of the academic portion of the application. So can you walk us through what are you looking for when reviewing an applicant's transcript, and does it differ based on the student's intended major? Sure. I think it all comes down to context, both in context of what the student's academic and educational opportunities are within their school, as well as their interests. Liberal arts institutions, we also know students change their major pretty frequently in college, (laughs) and what they're thinking of as a 17 or 18-year-old might shift throughout their passions in college. Uh, So for us, we never want students to be pigeonholed and not that flexibility. So I always get asked that question, and it's not particularly harder or easier to apply to a particular major, but it is helpful to the context to see, are you taking classes that relate to that major? Are you pushing yourself within that realm? Are you interested in taking those academic ones? If you're leaning towards the more STEM, probably science and math might be helpful in that context, (laughs) as an example. Um, But I think when it comes to students' holistic approach about admissions, I know that that's an admissions buzzword that can sometimes be confusing to students and families and parents. But for it really just comes down to what is available within a student's school. Are there honors? Are there APs? Are there IP curriculum? Is it limited? Is it an international student? Every student's educational opportunities are different. So it's looking at students within the context of what is available within their high school. Did they push themselves within that realm? And do they fit within those academic pictures for what they're trying to pursue? Well, thank you so much for a tremendous overview. I also appreciate how you talked about the fact that it's less about the overall GPA, but it looks more at the context, the patterns over four years, the strengths of the programming, your courses selected, particularly as you become a senior and you have more academic freedom to choose. So again, we really appreciate that overview. Do you use the student's high school GPA as indicated on their transcript, or do you recalculate the GPA using your own metrics And if so, what do you look at from a student's academic record and how do you evaluate them? So we're going to begin this one with Katrina. Thank you. Thanks, John. So at Pomona specifically, we use the weighted GPA when it's available directly from the high school and we do not recalculate that GPA. But if the unweighted GPA is the only one available, we'll use that. Uh, We're really only evaluating GPAs based on the nature of what the school provides specifically. So what we tend to look at Uh, Kind of, I like to talk about it in three steps. So A, 
we look at what was offered at that high school, B, what courses the students were able to select, and then see how well those students did in those courses. Um, we also like to encourage the use of that additional information section to you know, explain any possible dips or poor grades. Uh, we understand that life happens, you know, be it an illness, a family issue, or what have you. So as part of our process, we take every piece of information that is provided to us into consideration. Uh, so my advice would be, let us know the whole picture of your academic journey. We can use that to be more fair and equitable in the review of the academic pieces of the application, uh, especially if there may be some more visible holes in the profile. That's great. Thank you, Katrina and Leanne. Same question. Thanks, John. I think Katrina covered covered the majority of, of what needs to be said for that question. Um, the, the main thing is that we, we do, as holistic reviewers, we do see the entire transcript. And, and along with the transcript, we're getting to know the student through their writing. Their writing quality also tells us a lot. Uh, letters of recommendation are very helpful. We haven't talked about test scores, but that's also a big component. <laughs> and so I know your question is specifically about the GPA. Um, but for us, it, it does include all of those components as well. Um, and then we know that students have had different differing experiences navigating no COVID and post-COVID. Um, um, those could still be f uh, factors influencing students' um, academic lives. And, and those kinds of things can also be explained in all the components that Katrina was mentioning. Um, we also, some of us also offer interviews, and those are often in person or through through Zoom. And sometimes things shared in person are just easier to share than, than spending some time and thinking of a, of a prompt to respond to, to include some important context that we need to know. Um, so there's different ways to provide context to both the academic and social life of a student's academic and, and just high school uh, life. Well, we appreciate it, both Katrina and Leanne. Thank you so much. And you did mention interviews and the testing nature of the application process. If there are any links that you want to put into the show notes, obviously I'm going to put the Office of Undergraduate Admission for each of your schools. But if there are any other links that you want to provide to the students and their parents, send it to me and it'll be available in the show notes. The next question is going to be for Rochelle. The question is, when reviewing applications from various high schools, how do you take into account when one student school may offer, for example, close to 30 advanced placement courses, while someone else's may only offer perhaps five? Yeah, that's a great question. I think Katrina and Leanne talked about it a little bit when they were speaking in the last question. Um, when it comes to a student's application, we're really only considering them in the context of the high school that they attend. Um, we're not going to say, oh, this student attends X high school and took five APs and this student attends Y high school and didn't take any when it turns out that the second student didn't have any APs. You can't compare those. Um, so we really look at students within the context of the high school that they attend. So if you attend a high school that has, you know, 25 or 30 APs, yeah, we're going to expect that you took advantage of some of those more rigorous courses to prepare yourself for the college uh, level classes that you'll be taking here. But if you go to a high school that only offers honors or maybe they only offer APs in the foreign languages, you know, most students only take one foreign language. So we wouldn't expect you to have taken an AP class in French, Spanish, German and Italian. Um, <laughs> so we we really take it into the context and um I, I think students and even parents sometimes don't realize we get something called a school profile from most high schools. Um, and a school profile is something that the school puts together that says, 
you know, has information about the school, the community. It can have a list of extracurricular activities and SAT scores, but it generally also has the full list of academics. So it'll say, like, we offer this many APs and honors classes or IB or, you know, whatever it is that they're offering, and they'll list them out so that we can go back and compare and say, oh, yeah, the student is taking what is available to them or, no, the student is really not challenging themselves um, as much as they could be. So, it's really about where the school that you attend and not any school that you don't attend. So the next question, each college within the consortium has its unique identity and strengths. Could you briefly describe what makes your college stand out among the others in terms of academic programs, campus culture, and student experience? Let's start with David. Of course. We are intentionally designed to share a lot of things, though there are differences. So when it comes to considering each of the Claremont colleges, it's important to go back to the important question of college fit. What is the type of culture and community? While for sure we have a lot of shared academics, that's probably the most obvious across the consortium. I think each of the five colleges, myself and our colleagues could say, kind of represent the culture of the foundation for when they were founded. So from the beginning of Pomona, really bringing that traditional East Coast liberal arts education to the West, uh, particularly in California, uh, to Scripps being founded in the 1920s, the height of the women's suffrage movement, really focusing a lot on leadership and integrity within women's education, uh, Claremont McKenna coming post-World War II and the GI Bill, focusing a lot on things like entrepreneurship and getting students into the workforce and growing as professionally as well, uh, to Harvey Mudd being founded in the 1950s at the height of the space race. So it's not a surprise <laughs> that there are the STEM institution of the time. Uh, to Pitzer being founded in the 1960s during a time of civil unrest in America and hippie culture and the Chicanx movement in California. So being the social justice institution of the time. So while I think there are certain stereotypes types or qualities that can exist across each of the five schools, we are shared. It does not feel competitive across each of the five colleges. Uh, but I think when it comes to fit, that's what students are looking for. So you have a home base within your five colleges and kind of aspects that you might identify more so, but that does not mean that you can't walk across any of the other campuses and still feel welcomed and a part of those communities as well. David, thank you so much. And Rochelle, same question. Yeah, I definitely agree with what Dave said. And you know, I always tell students that you might identify with more than one of the colleges. That's great. Like we are, we have similarities and there are students who find overlap in that, but you probably shouldn't be applying to all five. Um, we are different <laughs> enough that, you know, or for if you are a, a male identifying student, but, you know, we are very different in our student experiences in what we offer students and what we focus on as an institution. And I think students should really pay attention to things like the mission statement and the focus of the college, the, the things that we're really emphasizing. So at CMC, we are really focused on what we call responsible leadership and um, learning for the sake of doing. So that idea that we want to bring in students who have shown leadership in their lives and in their communities and are going to be really strong leaders on our campus and develop those skills and be change makers in the future. And learning for the sake of doing is the idea that we want to give students the opportunity to put their thought into action as students rather than when they grad just when they graduate. Um, we want them to be able to do hands-on research and internships and all of these things that are really practical while they're here through clubs and organizations and research institutes and all these things that we have on campus. Um, and that 
is great. And it's, you know, something that our students are really attracted to. But another student might not really want that sort of environment, that kind of leadership emphasis. They might want something that's way more STEM focused. And that's great because we have Harvey Mudd, or they might want the social justice aspect that it goes on at Pitzer. So we really encourage students to be very thoughtful about the five C's, look very closely at, you know, the missions and how we're all different as much as how we're similar, um, to really select the ones that they feel like they could really be the happiest at. Hey, podcast friends, are you or someone you know in need of some custom college gear? Prep Sportswear carries a wide variety of college fan gear and apparel, including T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, and so much more. So whether you're getting ready to go to the game, hanging out on campus, organizing a college bed decorating party, or you're simply looking to build upon your college gear, Prep Sportswear has you covered. Check out our Prep Sportswear affiliate partnership link in the show notes for all the details. As an affiliate partner with Prep Sportswear, the podcast does receive a small commission if you make a purchase. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel that would benefit our listeners. And now, back to the show. Well, that's a great overview. And the bottom line is that amongst all the schools, there's definitely something for everyone. So again, emphasizing the importance of looking at the mission statement of each school and focusing on what the individual colleges offer so that you know which school or schools within the consortium that you should apply to. So we appreciate that. And financial considerations are crucial for so many families Can you elaborate on the financial aid and scholarship opportunities available to students within the Claremont Colleges Consortium? Let's start with Leanne. That's a, a good and important question, um, especially um, as as I think sticker prices um, are often the first thing that folks see when they ask the question about financing college and the cost of college. Um, so the Claremont Colleges are some of the most well-resourced schools in the country, and we all offer need-based financial aid and promise to cover 100% of a student's demonstrated financial need. This is calculated primarily from the FAFSA and the CSS profile, both documents that can be found online. Uh, The FAFSA is free to submit. Uh, The CSS profile does have a submission fee. We all have fee waivers. Um, So if if that is an issue for folks to be able to submit and complete their application for financial aid, please contact the schools that you're applying to. They often do have um, fee waivers available to complete that part of the process. Within the Claremont Colleges, three of our campuses are need blind, meaning that finances are never taken into consideration during the admission process. This includes Pomona, CMC, and Harvey Mudd College. And then two of our campuses are need aware, which means that finances are taken into consideration often at the end of the evaluation process. And this includes Scripps and Pitzer. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to go to the next question, which is, are there any notable research opportunities or internships available through the consortium? And how can students engage with these opportunities to enrich their academic journey? Let's start with Peter. So I'll start with the last part. Thank you, John. I'll start with the last part of that question. How do they engage? At small colleges like ours, uh, a little initiative goes a really long way. But we also do a lot to communicate with students about these opportunities. Uh, Some of them are, like internships would probably be coordinated through the career services office on each campus. One of the things that's also part of the system is that the community, uh, the career services offices talk to each other. So a student from one college can go to another college's event if that is applicable to their interests. 
Uh, we all engage in research. We do it not just in the sciences. It's across all disciplines. Uh, and uh, some schools put a heavier emphasis on that. We do at MUD where we require students to do a capstone experience of research and have initiatives for first-year students. But we all want to make the research opportunity for students because it's a great way to learn and develop some independence and, and learn in a completely different way than the classroom. Thank you, Peter. And David, same question. Yeah, I will add on for what Peter said, that there's a lot of collaboration across the schools and research in various disciplines, and students can be involved in research and internships as soon as their first year, so there's no limit. I think when it comes to that liberal arts education, it's important that students aren't having to compete against graduate students or making it more challenging when it comes to things like providing funding for research or internships. A lot of our colleges do provide additional funds for students uh, to be able to do their own research and internships, which I think is pretty important in today's economy to have that helping <laughs> hand. Uh, but I think that what's also great is there's so many different collaboration across interdisciplinary within each of our colleges and across our colleges. Uh, I think of an example of students working through the Community Engagement Center at Pitzer specifically that was also in partnership with Keck Science and Casa Pitzer and collaboration across different academics uh, through a water justice initiative in the city of Adelanto nearby. So that was an example of students working through environmental analysis. Uh, I think of it as kind of the Aaron Brockovich of the Claremont Consortium. <laughs> I might be dating myself with that reference, but students were analyzing water within the area to help uh, the local community and also even things like Spanish majors were helping out because it was a particularly uh, Spanish language area within the community. So I think when it comes to how students interact not only with each other and professors, but also the communities outside of uh, where we're at in Claremont, the LA County, or even back home in their own communities, we want to make sure that students are passionate about the research and internships that they're doing. Well, thank you so much, Peter and David. So the next question will be for Rochelle and Leanne. What kind of support and resources does the consortium provide for students in terms of career development and graduate school preparation? If it's okay, I'd like to start with Rochelle. Absolutely. So um, every school individually has a career services office or some version of what they call that. Um, and they work directly with our students on internships while they're current students, and then afterwards job prospects, or if they're looking at graduate school, um, helping them to apply in that process. Um, so individually, we all have an office that works very directly with students. Um, there's also, you know, students who are pre-med, have pre-med advising. Um, we don't have pre-med or pre-law majors in the five C's. Those are tracks for students who are of any major to work with those advisors um, and then apply to medical school or law school. Um, and they work very closely with advisors throughout these processes. So for an internship, there are um, advisors who are specific to different fields. So if a student wants to go into finance, they would work with someone who specializes in finance and maybe consulting. Um, or if they want to go into the nonprofit sector, they would work with someone else. Um, and they get a lot of very direct one-on-one -on -one advising through that. And it starts with, you know, resumes, cover letters, and goes through, you know, uh, the application process, practice interviewing, networking with alumni, and um, we all bring recruiters to campus as well. Um, at times, there are like joint recruitment sessions. So if someone is coming and they want to speak to students from all five C's, they might be open to the five colleges, but they do also do individual visits at each of the colleges. Well, thank you so much, Rochelle. And Leanne, same question. 
uh, again, Rochelle covered uh, the bulk of what I would have said. Uh, I think the only thing I'll add is uh, the, the five Claremont colleges all have robust alumni networks um, individually and as, as a consortium. Um, and that obviously provides access to community people in communities and networks across various industries, professions. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a resource for our students to be able to seek out both mentorship, networking opportunities, and, and also financing um, support. Uh, and then, like Rochelle said, we, we do share resources. Um, we are attractive to recruiters, both for grad school and employment, because it's you get to you can come to one campus and, and access all five schools. Um, but we also share resources like uh, the Office of Black Student Affairs, the Queer Resource Center, the Chicano Latino Student Affairs Office. And those are, are centers that, in addition to their identity-based programming, also offer grad school and career advising workshops and resources and links to uh, alums who may not be connected in, in other ways. Um, so we do share quite a bit in terms of uh, prepare, preparation for post-grad. Um, and then we're also doing a lot of that support on an individual level. Well, John, we really appreciate... Oh, go ahead, Peter. Can, can I add one thing, John? And that is sure. um, a lot of students have always been, but I think more it's more uh, intensive now, that students are looking for support for their lives and their mental health and their their growth as people. And I think one of the advantages of the Claremont system is that each college does a really good job of nurturing the student, paying a lot of attention to that student. It's really hard to slip through the cracks, as it were. So each college would have their version of an office of health and wellness. But beyond that own college, there's a Claremont College's office of health and wellness. So it just adds more resources to support the students for them to thrive in an environment that's new to them and to help them with that transition. Well, that's a great point, and I'm glad that you made it because obviously you review applications to make sure that the students are able to contribute to your school communities, handle the work, but also once they're on your campuses, you want to make sure that they continue to thrive and you take care of all things in terms of their mental health and anything else that the students may need in terms of any supports to get through with the academic challenges. So I appreciate that you mentioned that, Peter. This has been a phenomenal conversation. Unfortunately, it does lead us to the last question, which is what advice or recommendations would you give to prospective students and their parents who are considering applying to a college within the Claremont Consortium? And are there any other closing remarks you wish to share with our audience about your schools or anything else? So let's start with Rochelle. Thank you so much, John, for hosting this conversation and uh, having us on your podcast today. We really appreciate it. Um, I think my advice to students is to, if you can come to campus, like please come take tours. Um, we also are just open, like the campuses are open. Anybody can walk around. We have self-guided tours. If you come at a time when our offices aren't open to get a feel for it. And if you can't come to campus, find us online. You know, we have all kinds of virtual options. We have opportunities to engage with us. There's also a YouTube page that has recordings um, from the five colleges that we can definitely <laughs> put it in the notes. Um, but we encourage you to get to know us and to learn about what makes us all individually unique as you go through your uh, application process and think more about the liberal arts and the approach to the liberal arts that you really want to take. Thank you so much, Rochelle. We really appreciate your time today. Katrina, same question. 
Thanks, John. Uh, my biggest piece of advice for students who are considering applying to the Claremonts are to visit as many as you can, um, just to see where your you feel like your 5C home might be. While we all exist in that same one mile radius, we're all very different and we have different curriculum expectations, capstone projects and fields to campus. Um, it's not like a one size fits all kind of thing. And there very much is a this will be my home base feeling that you can look for. Another tip that I would give more generally would be to tap in and explore student voices of the communities you're interested in joining. Uh, for example, you could check out blogs, newspapers, social media, student run webinars or chats or anything in that similar vein to learn more about what students are talking about or care about. Thank you so much, Katrina. We really appreciate your time today. Peter, same question. My advice is more general and that it's very easy for a high school student to start identifying schools and see how they can fit into that institution, which I think makes perfect sense, but I think it's the opposite way of approaching this. And what I'm going to suggest is that the student spend a lot of time taking a personal inventory of what they'd like to do, with whom they'd like to do it, how they like to learn, and then make sure the colleges match up to them rather than the other way around. So my advice to the students is to find themselves, and if they find a match with one of the schools or possibly two, maybe more, then that gives you a good sense. And you'll probably write a stronger application because the match is already made because you've chosen it that way. Um, another piece of advice I'd have what has to do with once you're at the institution, and that is to spend the effort to develop a relationship with a professor. You cannot imagine how much that'll pay off for you later on. Thank you so much for that, Peter. We really appreciate it. And it's so great to have you today. We hope to have you again. David, same question. It's a great question. And my advice when it comes to students uh, exploring the Claremont Colleges and their interest for it, I would echo a lot of what Peter just said. I think moving beyond what a student can even just find on the website and having that self-reflection of why are you truly interested and showcasing it in a personal level. I think sometimes showing personality in supplements or essays can sometimes feel a little daunting for a high school student to really show who they truly are. But I think that that is the aspects that we're looking for most. What are your passions? What are your interests? What are you undecided about? That is also okay. Um, and I think one other more general advice that I like to give students is create an email for your college application. <laughs> it sounds simple, but you, you'd be shocked. We know you're getting lots of emails from lots of colleges, but it's important information. You don't want to miss it. And if you're using your high school email, eventually you're going to lose that. So when you enroll in a college, it's also important. So it sounds simple, but I always like to stress to students, having a central location for your email is important. I know Gen Zers like to focus on texting, and we're trying to do that more so you pay attention to us. But it's, it never hurts to make sure you have a central location so you're not missing anything from us. Well, that's great advice. And thank you so much, David, for being here as well. We really appreciate it. And Leanne, same question. It's a good question to end on. And and my advice is is to explore the the colleges that give you a gut reaction, either good or bad. And I I think for me it comes from representing a women's college and often receiving gut reactions when I share that aspect of, of my community. And it's a curious one because I understand it. I attended a, a women's college and um I, I think it's important to think about why 
something like a women's college or something like uh, maybe a religious institution or an institution out of state, an institution in state, um, when those gut reactions happen, is it because of preconceived notions? Is it uh, an area of, of uh, opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about that institution? Um, and and it can come from so many different ways. I think we've all covered the, the in-person ways to connect to a college, but there's obviously a lot more virtual opportunities now um, since COVID forced a lot of us to really ramp up those resources. Um, but if you're able to go to a college, any college, um, spend time there, figure out what it is that you enjoy about an institution. Do you enjoy uh, studying around other people? Do you enjoy more of the quiet spaces like a library? Do you enjoy being in community with others where you're uh, bopping around from one thing to another? And um, we we might not be near you, um, but there are like there's likely a, a college somewhere near you where you can just spend a little bit of time there um, and start to assess what those gut reactions um, are coming from and, and where you can inform yourself a little bit more. Well, thank you so much. Oh, go ahead, Peter. Can I, can I share one story with you? Of course. So I Absolutely. have two sons who've gone through this college search process. I kept a diary called a taste of my own medicine. <laughs> and um, my older son was looking at, at quite a few colleges and he visited one. I was picking him up after his visit. I said, what did you think? And he said, oh, I really like the class I sat in on. I've met some really great people here. I said, super. So how's this school going to line up for your choices? I'm not going to apply here. <laughs> and I went, what? He said, yeah, because this college is very much like who I am now and not who I want to be. Wow. <laughs> so I invite your students to think about this idea of becoming. Once they leave the cocoon of their current school and community, they'll be in a completely different place. How will they grow? Well, that's an awesome way to end. I really appreciate that, Peter. Thank you so much. And I want to thank all the panelists today. Leanne Dominguez from Scripps, Katrina Bruno from Pomona, Rochelle Ehrman from Claremont McKenna, Peter Osgood from Harvey Mudd, and of course, David Gervin from Pitzer. You guys are awesome. And I'm so happy as I know that this is going to help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the college admissions process. And I'm extra happy because so many people emailed me to inquire about the Claremont Colleges. So this was great. I can't thank you enough. And good luck to everyone out there as you navigate the admissions process. Thank you so much, all. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.